Rhythm, a crazy podcast about DC, with your host E-Rock and PD. When we speak up, get your geeks up, cause you know you got to get geeked up. So sit back, relax, and get comfy. Lose your mind like Solomon Grundy, and listen to a show that won't be forgotten. Coming straight out of Gotham. And hello, everybody in the DC Universe. Welcome to another episode of Straight Outta Gotham, episode 49. We are a fandom pop culture podcast and a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Make sure you check out all the other great shows on the network by heading on over to BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. I'm your co-host from the other side of Hudson River, a senior contributor to Batman on Film. I am Peter Arvera. Today we're recording on August 20th, 2021. And as always, we have a great show for you today. Before we get into the good stuff, I would like to remind you, all of our faithful listeners, if you take the time to rate and review the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and we read your review on air, you win our monthly uh, contest, and you will receive a special prize pack. Now, let me introduce my co-host, my partner in crime, the man who holds the record for what most one-arm push-ups atop the Old Field Lighthouse, a fellow Batman on Film contributor, ladies and gentlemen, the man who reviews Titans Weekly, Mr. Eric Holzman. Hello, Pete. Eric, how are you? I'm okay. I'm all right. Just sore. okay? I'm sore from doing my push-ups, but... Well, you know, you know you're a workout machine. You got to practice. You got to practice. So it gets harder, though, as you get older. It gets harder. Really? Yeah. You know? I'm I, I don't know. I mean, that's why you're here. I'm going to be 45 in a few months. You... <laughs> wow, you're an old man. You're 45. I'm going to, yes. It's 50's, uh, 50's creeping around the corner for a lot right. of people recently. Okay, that's enough. We don't need to remind me of that. <laughs> well, I meant, I meant for the show, but yeah. For both of us, the show and for me. <laughs> both things I, are, I are coming. I don't want your attention right now. She, the funny thing is she's not even in the room. That's the funny thing. She's, I think you got a letter in the room. She's No, she's. I think she's downstairs. That's funny. But it's okay. She can bark. It's fine. Unless she comes up and starts scratching the door, then I'll let her in. You and Lauer have uh, animal. You, you guys need pest control, I think, <laughs> or animal control. <laughs> nah, she's okay. Uh, she just likes being in my company, I guess. All right, now she's up the stairs. Hold as on. long as somebody likes you, right? Hold on. You could talk about something if you want, or I'll just pause well, this and we can. This, begin. Is, this would be the perfect opportunity to plug my book. Go uh, ahead. Yeah. So I'm currently working on the Eric Holzman autobiography or biography, whatever the term is. Um, I think it's called from, from sea to shining sea, the story of a man from Long Island and his fish stick journey. And, uh, currently I, I've got about three chapters written. So, you know, it'll probably hit shelves. I think around, I want to say, I'd say a year from now, probably August, uh, 2022. And, uh, it'll be at all major retailers. You'll see it at Barnes and Nobles. You'll see it at Borders. Uh, you could buy it on Amazon books or whatever it is, you know, it's just, so if you're if you if you love all the trivia about Eric and everything, then this is this book's gonna be right up your alley. Um, there's tons of pictures from young Eric and his just amazing immaculate physique. Oh Jesus! Um, like Momoa. Oh hey, Eric's back, and uh, <laughs> so all that other great stuff. So if you if you've loved all the Eric stuff, I, I've got a whole book about it. I interview various people: Red Holzman, uh, Mama Holzman, Eric's twelve sisters. So we get a real full in depth look of Eric's life. So it's it's gonna be fascinating. If you're a fan of Holzman. You're gonna love this stuff. Uh, isn't Red Holzman dead? I I interviewed him before the book. Oh, before the oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So in your younger years, I guess. Okay. 
I, you know, I might have uh, a DeLorean or two, <laughs> maybe a cosmic <laughs> treadmill. Not sure yet, but uh, you know, I don't want to give away too many secrets, but. Or whatever that machine was that they used in Endgame. <laughs> I still don't know what that was. I, I might have one of those shiny suits or whatever, one of those suits they wear. Yeah. So. All right. So guys, <laughs> go buy the book. I don't know what it's about, but when it's published, people let everybody you. know. And... Okay. Go buy the book about me when it comes out. Hopefully I get a chance to read it first, but we never know. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to talk about something real quick because I can't believe it. I have to eat a little crow on this. And this is the sports segment, guys. So, of course, I'm talking about the Yankees. Um, I famously have said on this show that I was I wanted them to sell at the trade deadline. I didn't want them to acquire any players. I thought the season was over. And in true Yankee fashion, they have proved me wrong. <laughs> they're the yes, only they they're the only team I root for that does this. Normally, I could say it about one of my teams that I'd be 100% correct. They fall apart and that's it. But I should know better than to bet against the Yankees who always just seem to turn it around. And it's crazy how they've done it um, through guys being out with COVID, main players. They piece together a lineup. Um, uh, it all comes down to one man who changed the culture of the clubhouse and his name is Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I think the guy really deserves some serious MVP talk. Well, he turned the team around. They're ten and one since they, he's been acquired. Like I know Otani's got all these numbers, but his his team's in like last place. They're dreadful. They, but, they so. started, the, but they started to play well before they made the trades too. They just those just kind of solidified what they were doing. But they had started to play well. Yeah. I got um, problems with the MVP award. I think it should be called the most outstanding player because. I don't know how valuable you are on a last place team, you know? That's true. I mean, that's every sport, but it's a league award. So I guess it's most valuable to the league. That's how I always explain it to people. It's not so I much mean, your team. If you're going to judge it by jersey sales, then I, the league. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know how many, in baseball, it's weird though, because I don't know how many more people Otani brings to watch television or, you know, I guess he's the name right now, so he would probably bring more eyeballs. Well, it's kind of a gimmick. You know, but... he does two things. He's done something that hasn't been done in like 100 years. So it's interesting. I just, you know, you take Otani off the Angels, they're still bad. You know, you put Otani on a contender, and I think he he's a legitimate MVP candidate. It doesn't make but... sense that they're bad, though. Like, I've said that for years. They I don't no know why. Out. Yeah, I know. Well, that, yeah, that's... Artie Moreno loves to just spend the checkbook on, uh, you know, he... He bought Albert Pujols, and that didn't work out. Uh, no. Mike Trout is wasting away, and now he's hurt. Uh, so we'll see. Be interesting to see what happens with the Angels once Otani and Trout are able to play together. Um, if they can get some arms, yeah. But uh, it, it's tough right now. I mean, they uh, they're not looking good, and you know the Yankees are surging. So, yep. So I just wanted to say that real quick uh, for the people who do maybe enjoy our little sports ad addition to the show. Uh, I saw Pete also say he was going to eat crow about Aaron Boone. Um, yeah, I think he's done a good job. He's really, it's kind of interesting how um, he's been able to keep these guys together. It really is, you know, uh, his positive attitude is probably rubbed off on some of these guys. And, you know, I, I you know, I got to give the guy credit where credit's due. And, you know, he's, he could have easily have folded under the pressure and he hasn't. So maybe he's a little bit stronger than we th- I thought. Yeah, I think the amazing thing to me is just how, um, I mean, they're playing better, but they're still winning games barely, right? Like, it's not like they're bashing teams to death. They're winning games 
playing smart baseball and getting just enough pitching because their pitching hasn't been as good. Well, their bullpen, the bullpen hasn't. hasn't. The bullpen's yeah. been bad. And, well, now they're still, in, you know, they got the most steals in baseball since the break, I think. Right. So they're playing a different brand of baseball. It's going to be interesting, you know, when, uh, when you know, the reserves come off the, the injured list. Uh, you know, it, it, you know the lineup's pretty scary right now. It's only going to get even scarier once uh, Torres comes back because he is – he seemed to have been turning the corner before the thumb injury. Um, yep. You know, and we'll see what happens with our shell. And then, you know, uh, you just, you look at all these young kids and you, you, you have Allen, you have Jonathan Davis. Uh, what's the, uh, oh man, who's the kid who was just raking last night? Velasquez? The the Bronx. Yeah, Velasquez. It's, the future looks bright, which is the good part too, you know, like. It's got to be people, awesome for that kid, man. I mean. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's kind of awesome for Cashman, He's to be honest, because everyone criticized him and then the team played really poorly. He admitted they played poorly and then he made some trades. A, a couple kids have gotten called up and they've kind of, you know, invigorated this team. And uh, it makes me like not I don't miss Aaron Hicks. And it's just, you know, somebody goes down, somebody else comes up and it's great to see. You know, it'd be nice to trade Aaron Hicks for somebody. But, you know, you're trading him for like, you know, 10 cents on the dollar since he's I know. I, n- yeah. I never Maybe understood the your obsession, but whatever. He's got a great arm. He's a good defender. Yeah, but there's a lot of guys like that, so I don't know. He doesn't make much money either. He's, but it was a long deal, right? Wasn't it like eight years or something like that? I it was seven like years? five. It was like it was a five-year, ten million, five-year, ten million a year. So like fifty big, million for a center fielder is not bad. Some big. It was. A, I remember the the length of the contract was more than the money. Like was the problem? But I thought it was five. But he's like in year like I don't know two or three of five, so I know still better than Ellsbury. <laughs> well, that's true. Yes, that's true. Anything even, is better than that. Even on the disabled list, that contract's still better than Ellsbury. Oh God! Oh. If there is one huge error he has made, that's probably it. Uh no, I mean you have Ellsbury, you have Pavano, you have Jared well, Wright. Like those are probably his three biggest mistakes. Yeah, but how Ellsbury got a lot of money. It was like some ridiculous 128, something like that. It was something. Totally. I mean, Pavano got paid a lot and then just didn't want to play anymore, you know? Pavano's yeah. contract might be worse. I feel like Ellsbury was trying to come back. You know, Carl Pavano just seemed like he didn't want to play, and then he goes to a place for the Twinkies. Yeah, man. This is, you know, some guys can't play in New York. It's just, it's it's weird that that's the case. Sonny Gray, right? He's another famously guy who famously couldn't do pitch here. He should have been, been great. He should have been, been like good an everywhere rotation. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, guys, that was a little bit of our baseball, but I'm going to, I'm going to use this as a segue into one of the topics we're going to be talking about. So of course, baseball recently had the field of dreams game. It was between the Yankees and the White Sox, and it was an incredible game. Um, it didn't turn out well for Pete and I, cause the Yankees lost, but, <laughs> but, uh, the game itself was great for baseball. Um, as they you did all win know, the series, I'll take the series. Yes. The Yankees did win the series. Yes. Uh, but that game, um, was just awesome. Like everything going with the cornfield in the background, you had Kevin Costner there. Yeah, it was, uh, it's probably the only good thing Rob Manfred's ever done. And it, it, it was really just, I, I, I honestly mean that cause he's a horrible, horrible. He coacher. is a bad, yes, he is he's a kind bad of, coach. he's kind of an idiot. Um, and, uh, it was just, it was just magical to see the players come out of the cornfield and, well, it started with Costner. You watch Con- Con- Costner walk out of the cornfield to the music and everything, and it's just this grand, majestic stage. And, you know, 
uh, it not only was it great for baseball, it, it, it arguably the mo- the best baseball game of the year. Yeah. Right. With the with the dramatic finish, uh, yep. Tim Anderson's walk off home run off Britain, really a Hollywood ending. But you know, it did wonders for <laughs> Field of Dreams in general and Kevin Costner. Like his movies skyrocketed to the top of the you know uh, Amazon uh, purchase list and and stuff like that. And it was it was it wasn't just Field of Dreams. It was like every Kevin Costner movie. Like it was. Kevin Costner was on the, on the world stage and everyone remembered who he was. And, you yep. know, I'm sure some people bought man of steel because of it too. Um, oddly enough, it, it was just magical. And, you know, now it, it just seems like field of dreams is making a huge comeback between this game. Uh, there's a new TV show in the works by a really, uh, really uh, impressive showrunner. And, uh, you know, Costner's movies are selling off the rack. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny how it just took this one, one event to really do that. And, and inspired a lot of people. I feel like I saw on Twitter who aren't necessarily sports fans to re- revisit or watch. I mean, I don't know how you watch Field of Dreams for the first time after like these many years. It's it's an amazing movie about a father and a son and just the love of the game and you know. So it, it's it, it's it's great, you know. And I, I love I love you know. It's not my favorite baseball movie. My favorite baseball movie is The Natural, but it's like my top five, you know. Yeah. So it's just it's just really magical to see something like that just kind of be revitalized. And I'm looking forward to this TV show. I'm not sure if it's a sequel or if it's going to kind of just in spot be inspired by the movie. So, uh, you know, I'm just well, the article in The Hollywood Reporter says it's going to be done by Mike Schur, who did The Good Place. Wasn't he also involved in The Office, the article said? Yes. Yeah. So good stuff. Um, Parks and Rec as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's been great shows. He's been involved in all of those shows. He's going to be adapting. It just says adapting the 1989 feature as a scripted drama. So I don't know if it's going to be a retelling um, just in a longer format. I have no idea. But um, it does say um, the series will reimagine the movie's mixture of family, baseball, Iowa, and magic that made the feature so enduring and beloved. So I will say this. Field of Dreams is one of those movies that I do have a connection to my father with because I watched it with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was I forgot how old I was, but I was still young enough where going to bed was an important <laughs> a thing I had to do, not just what I wanted to do it. And um, my dad, I stayed up with my dad, I think, till like three in the morning to watch it. I'll never forget. And it it is. It's a very. It's obviously the movie is about is a father son movie, uh, but the way that they tell the story. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure most people have. But if you haven't. Even if you don't, not a baseball fan, you can watch this. It doesn't have, you don't have to be a baseball fan to watch it. That's yeah. That's not what really what the movie's about. Right. So, um, yeah. So we're going to be getting this show coming out. It's going to be on the Peacock network. So it won't be, um, on regular television. You can have to subscribe to Peacock to watch it. And there is a free version of Peacock as well. I don't know if that'll be on there, but there is a free version. Yeah, there is a free version. So it's got a lot of I it's got commercials and ads, but it is it's available to you if you don't want to spend for the service. Yeah, I tried to I tried to watch one of the Team USA basketball games in the Olympics on it because it was on it, but you had to have the premium version for that. So I Okay, so they they do limit some things. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know for the office on Peacock, you can get up to like season five for free, which okay. is like all you really need because after that it kind of <laughs> once Andy takes over, it goes all downhill. <laughs> Once Michael Scott leaves. So, but I mean, um, this again, like you said, this is, this is awesome. I'm interested to see, like you said, how they do, uh, develop it, where they go with the movie, yeah. with the show. Um, if they bring any of the original cast back, 
um, in uh, roles. Do, do you think they have the budget for that? Well, I mean, not as a not as a main character, but maybe as like a with a cameo appearance or something along those lines. Um, I don't know if it'd be Costner, but maybe some of the other uh, Amy Madigan was in it. James um, Earl Jones, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta. Uh, so maybe one of the, those actors might show up in the um, in the show. I don't know, but um, it's cool. It's cool, and it it was no coincidence that they announced this immediately after the game. <laughs> Like this, this news came out of I think two or three days after the game. Yeah, um, which so. is interesting because it's like this is obviously in the works before the game, right? The game should have happened uh, last year with the Yankees and the White Sox. Then, uh, obviously, because of Corona, things changed, and they tried. They did try to have the White Sox and the Cardinals play it last year, and that fell through. So this should have happened last year. Um, so it's just kind of interesting that the show was in the works, and I'm sure the people over at NBC were like that ba- we we've got to announce this now like this is the time to strike you know that that's probably why there's so little information on it really outside of who's who's you know putting it together and whatnot um because you right. imagine that this has been in the works for a while but i would imagine they just struck while the iron's hot yeah which is smart i mean might as well you draw up interest in it after a game that was so awesome you it's a very very smart move marketing wise to do this to make this announcement that quickly after it uh, very very well done so look look um look out for that guys i'm trying to see the date when it's supposed to if we had one i didn't see when they said so, no i don't remember seeing the date either yeah it does we don't have a date yet um on when it's supposed to come out but it's in development and i'm pretty sure it will happen this is one of those things that i will probably have enough of um interest and momentum to to actually go be made into a show so i wonder if it'll be a mini series i I just wonder how many episodes you can really do i don't know i don't know it like we said it depends on how they're going to develop it are are they Mm going to do um multiple storylines with with this type of a a feel or are they going to focus maybe just on the field and i don't know I don't know, but it again, prequel, the building of the baseball field. I don't know. Right. It could be that the purchase um, of the cornfield. It'd be interesting to see how, uh, how they, maybe how they'll do out. a succession story for, cause he has a son in the That'd movie. Be cool. That's a, that's a right? good angle. I didn't think of that. So maybe they'll do some kind of story with the son and they'll, they'll tell the story from that angle. So I'm looking forward to it now. I wasn't at first, but when I read about it uh, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I think this could be cool. So, Looking forward to it, but we don't have a date yet. So we will tell you guys when we get one, when the date is posted, we will let you guys know. Uh, just another little bit of piece of housekeeping. Um, as we are straight out of Gotham, Pete and I are both in the New York area. So as we knew, as we know, and as we told you, New York Comic-Con will be live again this year. And there's, there's new vaccine rules that they are posted. Um, it will take place on this usual weekend of October 7th to October 10th. I will require all attendees 12 and over to provide pull, excuse me, provide proof of full vaccination. Those under 12 must be accompanied by a fully vaccinated guardian and provide proof of a negative COVID test. You must wear face coverings when inside, except when eating or drinking. And this happened because recently New York City, the mayor of New York City, put in some mass mandates again. So they're just going along with what, um, what the city is doing, and they really don't have a choice. So. If you are headed out to Comic-Con, guys, New York City, sorry, New York Comic-Con, <clears throat> just make sure you have your masks on 
and if you that you're vaccinated if you're not vaccinated you have to have a test so there you go yeah uh i imagine it's going to be very difficult for cosplayers this year <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah um uh you know i recently uh i spoke to uh the editor-in-chief of Babylon film and i, I bill ramey and i just told him i was like i think i'm gonna skip this one uh you know uh just because you know, all the, it's, there's going to be a lot of barriers and you kind of, you can't just get as close to the creators as you want. You know, like I imagine you're not going to be able to get pictures of stuff right. with creators, uh, even with cosplayers. It's just, it seems like while I'm happy it's back. Um, and the fact that like, I'd have to wear the mask, not that I'm anti-mask is just, I sweat a lot. So that's going to be very uncomfortable. So instead of complaining about it and creating a ruckus, I'm just, I'm just quietly just not going to attend and I'll wait. And then, you know, I appreciate everything that they're doing. And I think what they're doing is right. I just don't want to wear a mask for that extended period of time. Um, that, and I also wear glasses. So that's a hassle. Anyone who knows this. Yes. That's I a hassle do itself as well. For so, hours yes. on end. Um, and, you know, to be honest, maybe, you know, you don't, we don't get the same type of press coverage that we get, you know, usually at these things, Eric has covered Batwoman. I have covered uh, the, the Blu-ray release of Batman, the Indian series, uh, the, uh, the death of superman i believe various uh various uh movie premieres and stuff like that and you know you're interviewing people and maybe kevin conroy doesn't come out and you know for whatever project he is maybe he's concerned about it you know i, I wouldn't blame him either just because you know in the post uh i read a, an article where a, a man a woman and their two kids were arrested for boarding a flight with uh faked vax cards so you know, people who don't want to do it are finding ways um, to go about it. And it's it's kind of upsetting because, you know, everyone's like, everyone has, feels like they have their, their freedoms and whatnot. But again, like, you know, just because my seatbelt, my airbags work doesn't mean you can drunk drive. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. That's my stance, not to get too political on the show, but that's me. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'll just take the safer route. I'll stay home. Um, I'll cover something digitally like I did for CCXP. Right. This year, yeah. I wrote a couple digital uh, articles, and uh, you know, I, I got no problem sitting on my couch <laughs> watching a stream and uh, enjoying it. it. It's a bummer that I won't be able to check out some back issues or collect some toys or, you know, buy some art. But you know, my wallet will thank me, and uh, you know, we'll just—I'll see you in 2023. Wow, 2022. So even, oh, I thought yeah. you were saying now you were going next year either. That no, no, I, I, <laughs> my, my years are all my years are all <laughs> mixed. Mis, mis, mixed up so yeah 2022 I'll, I'll see you next next year the next one the year after. <laughs> yeah yeah um, it's, i mean it says the article does go on further to explain certain things about <clears throat> like what to expect they might have plexiglass up blocking you from the from the vendor or yeah like we've gotten used to anyway in life um in covid life because a lot of places have done that whether you go to whether it's a drugstore some have plastic up now mm -hmm. um, grocery store some have it so <clears throat> it's very much um, a part, become a part of our lives. So I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm looking into going, I'm going to, I told you before we, we started recording, I'm going to try and get, get our press pass. Um, if I do get it, maybe I'll just go one day to see what it's about. I don't know. But, um, I do expect it to be a lot less people, which, which is, means Thursday's still the best day, <laughs> right? Which could, which should be good in a way as well. Yeah. Uh, I imagine no, there's going to be a lot of people who have similar thoughts to me. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people who's like, you know what? I don't need it this year. I mean, because Friday, Friday and Saturday, man, like, you know, like, <laughs> there's nowhere to walk. We're all, we're literally sweating on each other. Like, that's yeah. why we're sweaty. It's like, 
it there's a lot of people <laughs> in a big big room but there's not a whole lot of ventilation yeah um, the, the funk the funk is real uh <laughs> more ways than one <laughs> yeah it is it's definitely noticeable uh when you're there on a on saturday and even maybe late friday some people come in late friday whether they could leave work and go or whatever sometimes late friday obviously thursday's always the best and even sunday um after the early stuff a lot of mm-hmm. people will leave and you could go if you want to go later you could do that too but you're right but i'm sure thursday is going to be i applaud read pop for taking the proper precautions though and everything and if you read the article like you know it's it's been posted on sog facebook's both and uh, and twitter yep. you know the the priority now is not content and entertainment the priority now is safety and i i appreciate that they are taking the proper precautions and doing things the right way it just it just shows you know it's funny it seems like new york is and you know the, it seems like they actually care about the people who attend the event where you know most people most companies it seems like just I, I mean i'm sure money is a big thing but they're trying really hard to get this out there for the fans it seems like this is really you know driven for the fan experience and they're trying to make that the best they can in this time and you know i believe you know reed pop was even asked about you know well what do you guys think about uh san diego doing their their thanksgiving show and yeah all that and you know you know he's like you know we're we're in this together we're not really competitors blah blah, blah. We, you know and i you know it seemed like everyone's kind of on the same page and they want to kind of create safe environments for fans. And they're trying to like everything else, we're going to adapt and we're going to try to give you something because you know, you, you've been cooped up for a little bit. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, they they do have a Q and a with Lance Fensterman, who is the president of read pop and they go into a conversation about um, st- the streaming element. So guys, there's more information in the THR article. If you want to check it out, it's a but, great article. Uh, it is a great article about not only New York comic con, but as Pete was saying, the other, um, events that might be going obviously we know they're doing the thing the san diego one the live one in during thanksgiving weekend so there's a little bit of information on that so definitely give that a look uh if you guys get a chance but yes if you're going to new york comic-con as as i said um there you're gonna have to wear a mask when you're inside and you're gonna have to be fully vaccinated if you're over 12 so that's the gist of of what i'm trying to tell you guys all right, so now we'll get into our normal geeky talk, uh, normal geeky talk rundown. So I'm going to start with everyone's favorite Batman, Michael Keaton. Let's just let's kick it off right the there. The icon, the yes. icon that is Michael Keaton. Yes. So THR again had an article with an interview with Michael Keaton posted. We're big on their fans website. of THR. Yes, we are. THR is an, it's an awesome, it is an awesome site. Like, hey, you know, you know, uh, like Jay Oliva said, don't believe unless it's in the trades. It's true. hundred percent accurate. So it was an article by Rebecca Keegan, where she does a piece on Michael Keaton. And it's not only about Batman, but that's of course the, the focus we're going to take. Um, but it does, it talks about his new film, the protege, which actually comes out today, the day we're recording August mm-hmm. 20th. Um, a film called worth and then dope sick are two other, other three films they talk about. It focuses a lot on also his life in Montana, um, how he's very much a um, kind of like a homebody in a sense. Uh, he likes being at his ranch in Montana. There's a piece about how he bought uniforms for the local. It was the high school, right? I, yeah, I believe it was the local high school football team. Yeah, he bought their uniforms. Um, didn't want anyone Coats. to. He bought them winter jackets. Winter jackets. Yeah, that's, that's it. What it was. And didn't want. Um, didn't want any notoriety for it. He just did it because something he felt he needed to do. It talks about the movie Worth, um, which will be on Netflix. 
where he plays Kenneth Feinberg, who, if you guys know the September 11th story about the Victims' Compensation Fund, he was the um, the guy who just recently passed, I believe, um, from cancer from it. The film also stars Amy Ryan and Stanley Tucci. Uh, he goes in, there's talk about, obviously, as I said, um, what's the protege, which just, as I said, just comes out today, starring Maggie Q as well as Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, I think Maggie Q tends to be the kiss of death on things because everything is here. In oh, jeez. Either does bad or gets canceled, but I have hope for this one. I have hope for this one. So, uh, but of course, what we're talking about is the bat. We want to know about mostly is the Batman stuff and um, a couple things I took from it. Um, One. He loved Christina Hodgson's script, which makes me feel good for The Flash. Uh, he said um, he thought he was done with that part, but he read the script. Obviously, he loves the script. Um, <clears throat> the line everyone remembers said uh, that he has in here is, frankly, in the back of my head, I always thought, I bet I could go back and nail that motherfucker talking about Batman again. Yeah. Uh, he talks about why he walked away from... Um, Oh, they talk about how he walked away from the Schumacher movie, the Batman forever. Cause he didn't like the script um, and how he's coming back here basically to see if he could do it again. Like that's pretty much the, the gist of what I took from it. What about mm -hmm. you? Um, uh, again, with you on Christina Hudson, um, Bumblebee birds of prey, really confident in this writer. I really think what she's going to bring something to the table. Uh, especially to bring Michael Keaton back after such a long hiatus, because we know why he left uh, Batman forever. We know why he did not want to work with Joel and everything that the direction that film took. So this seems to be more in line with what he thinks Batman is. And, you know, for me, one of the most important, it, it, there was a, there was a, a video uh, interview he did with uh, Jake Hamilton as well, where he kind of compared uh, the his role in the flash to, his role in multiplicity, oddly enough. And I thought I really found that very interesting. That wasn't in the TH article, but I, that was something I really found interesting. Um, and just overall, like, to be honest, the Batman stuff kind of took uh, a, a backseat for me as much as it was like, he turned down a role in, in, he turned down Tom Hanks role in splash so he can raise his kids, you know? Yep. Um, and just like we mentioned earlier, the, the purchasing of the of the coats for the football team because he he thought you know he saw some kids without them and he just he did the right thing because he could and he's such a humble man you know he's he's he seems very unlike what you would think a Hollywood actor is like granted he it does, the article mentions he does have a place out in L.A. I'm sure he does because where's Hollywood so it's just nice to know that you know there are regular people who are actors you know sometimes i feel like this stuff gets to these guys heads and it doesn't seem like this happened to him he still he still has his roots and he still fights the good fight and uh whether you know for you know his political beliefs and he you know he he does things the right way and he just he seems like a great guy overall like he seems like someone who would live next door to you and that's kind of really what i took away from this article yeah it definitely, I, the, as a piece on him, it definitely does give an insight into the type man he is, uh, which is, as we said, just seems like a normal guy who gets to do this. And that's kind of what he says, too. Mm -hmm. Like, he just says, you know, he does, I know he says a couple of things like, um, he wouldn't, he doesn't like doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, that's something I remember that, that stood out to me, which is probably why he takes such various roles. 
Um, it talks about how he started as a comedian, mm-hmm. um, which most people know because a lot of his early films, he were, they were comedic roles like Mr. Love Mom Night and Night, yeah, Night Shift. Uh, those are the two probably most known ones. Um, so he's a lot of that was his early career. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he actually started out in like Sesame Street doing something in behind the scenes. I didn't, that's not it. I didn't read that. It wasn't an article, but I've seen like pictures of him. Okay. It's like er, very early in his career. I'll do a quick Google search while you're talking about, I believe that is accurate. Yeah. I mean, they have a, a a quote from Tim Burton about why he chose him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says the main thing was, well, why does somebody need to dress up like a bat? Like if you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, you're scary enough. Yeah, you know, like right. we looked at a lot of like square jawed actors, and what I remember, you know, when I when I interviewed Uslan, he said this too: is the eyes. Yeah, Keaton's eyes is kind of, uh, is the selling point. And there's there's you know you get that one great shot in '89 with him talking to Vicky, and it's you know what people, and it's the eyes. You know, like those eyes are mesmerizing and captivating, and you know what you know it's like it's like you said, like why would Arnold need a suit of rubber? He wouldn't. He's the Terminator, right? He's last He's action Conan. hero. Yeah. yeah. But Michael Keaton needs to wear a suit, you know, and that's kind of like, you know, even Affleck, even though Affleck was a big bulking Batman, you know, he, you know, he's, he is just a man and Val and George look like dudes. They didn't really work out too much. It doesn't look like, you know, Val's, Val's got his, uh, his shirt off at one scene in forever. And you're kind of like, yeah, he looks average. He doesn't look like he's, you know, jacked like they are now. Um, he doesn't look like Chris Evans or, or Thor, but it's just, it's just, uh, I, I, Keaton's like one of those guys where you sit down and have a conversation with him and it just, it goes one way and you just didn't expect it to. And he, he has, you know, you know, Pattinson's out there. Like Pattinson will intentionally troll the media to deceive yeah. them. Yeah. Whereas Keaton's just very honest, but like, it's shocking. It's still shocking. They're shocking in different ways. Yeah. So I found that fascinating. Yeah. And he does agree with me. Um, this is specifically for the guys from Let's Go. That '89 is the biggest cultural impact <laughs> of, of comic book films. Uh, there's a little piece about that in there. I'm sure he's a little biased, but yes, he does agree. He also with said in the article that he hasn't watched a comic book movie from start to finish since Batman '89. That's what he said, which is interesting because I was like, you didn't go to the premieres of Batman Returns or Spider-Man Homecoming. I know. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't you have to watch those movies? Like. Maybe he fell asleep. I don't know. Yeah, he he also talks about how he doesn't know much about the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's there's a whole, there's a part of where he's talking about how when he was feeling Morbius, they're talking to him, but he's just nodding his head, but he really has no idea. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> like, you have no idea where he's like, no, no, no. What, what's my character's motivation? Like it's kind of like that. He's like, I don't yeah. need to know the grand scheme of what you're doing. I just need to know what I need to do. And you know, some people may be like, oh, this guy, he's just full. Like no, I just. That's all that really matters. Like, does the vulture need to know the greater things that are going on in whatever Marvel, Sony? No, not really. He's he's just a, a at least this interpretation is just a criminal who's out for himself. Yeah, and his family. Like, yeah, so. it's that. That was the cool. That was the other thing, and and I kind of like that uh, when an actor says that because they don't have any preconceived notions about what they should do. You know, they're mm-hmm. giving a much more of a clean slate to read a couple things and say, okay, I kind of get the idea. Let me put my spin on it, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously what we're going to get um, um, coming in Morbius. 
Uh, I'm excited. So. Morbius, uh, it's funny, man. Keaton, his comeback since Birdman has been so strong, but while I'm so eagerly anticipating his role in The Flash, his role in Morbius might be more interesting just because it's like how n- this Sony universe is connected to the MCU. It yep. is. Yeah. Whether Marvel wants to admit it or not, we, we oh, know that is. Marvel Marvel had issues with the Netflix universe admitting that it was connected. You know, that they, at one point, they, I believe they, you know, we'll see what happens in, in the Spider-Man movie, but like, I believe it's retcon that it's not for the most part, like, you know, yeah. So we'll see. And th- that's really interesting because, like, you're talking, you know, possibly Sinister Six, Morbius, Venom, uh, the Vulture, who, whoever pops up and, you know, like, we'll, and that seems to be, like, Sony's own thing. So, you know, and in my mind, it's Holland Spider-Man that they're going to go up against. So. Yeah, I would agree. Um, as we know, MCU is is being given the rights to do Spider-Man. Sony still owns Spider-Man. So. They basically ha- rented. Right. And they have the right to pull them back if they want to. So, um, which we thought was going to, what was happening like last year or two years or so. I forget what it yeah, was. Yeah, last year they did and then they reached an right. agreement. But Yeah, so we'll see. Um, I do think eventually we will get uh, a Sony, uh, M- a Tom Holland Spider-Man in some kind of a Sony film. I don't know mm-hmm. when that's going to be, but I do think we will get that. Uh, Sony's so- going to Sony's gonna pull the plug on Spider-Man at some point. Like, they're going to pull him away. But they just are. I mean, they've already tried to do it once. There's no doubt in my mind. Like, I think they're just using Marvel to rebuild that brand, that Spider-Man brand. Yeah, that's definitely what it was. Um, Obviously, after the the lukewarm response or maybe the bad response from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, it was bad. It it wasn't lukewarm. It was straight up bad. Well, I was trying to be nice. (laughs) I, I, you know, it's it was it might not have been BVS bad, but it was bad pub. Yeah, it wasn't. I obviously remember it wasn't good. Because if it was, they would have made another one with Andrew Garfield, probably. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it didn't. It had good things in it. Not that, not that I want to go back and um, deconstruct it. It has its moments. Too. It does have its good moments. But yeah, overall, it wasn't wasn't good. But we're again, like you said, we're getting apparently we were supposed to be getting Electro in in the the next Spider Man film. So we'll see. Jamie Foxx yeah, is I, playing well, the role. So you know, well, <laughs> it's funny how <laughs> what. You know, now that we've kind of gone off the Spider-Man tangent, but the MCU has been very protective over its characters and such for so many years that it's kind of interesting how now, you know, Sony's been able to kind of infiltrate and meddle with things a little bit. It seems like, you know, like we're uh, everyone keeps thinking we're going to get all three Spider-Men back together. Like that, mm-hmm. that means everything's connected again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The past is connecting with the present, and and it's leading to the future. And you're just kind of like wow okay this is this is interesting like you know because you guys were so the mcu was so like i said earlier so against admitting that netflix shows were a part of that universe to the point now that you know raimi and webb's movies are are going to be a part of that universe to some extent it's fascinating yeah yeah it's going to be interesting to see that's why i think this this movie is very is has it's going to have ramifications across both universes if you want to say or both sony and mm-hmm. the mcu i think and then to tie it back to keaton yeah. you know between the flash and you know no, no way yeah. home i'm a little concerned that these two movies are biting off more than they can chew you know well, you know whether you're bringing you're bringing back old villains you may bring back some old heroes and then you're trying to mix things with the present like 
I hope it works. Like I have Marvel's obviously a, a proven juggernaut and uh Hotson's really hot right now. And she's, yeah. so we'll see. So it, you know, nothing but positive vibes seem to be coming out of it, but like, I do have a little room of concern. I think as always, when you're trying to do something on this kind of a scale, I think there's always a little bit of trepidation. You're kind of like, okay, what's really going to happen here? Are they, but like you said, are they biting off more? They can chew. You don't know. Um, but I, I appreciate the ambition though. Like this is, this is ballsy. It's very ballsy to do. I just, I'd hate for it to turn into another like civil war versus BVS type thing where it's like, it's the same movie, but this one's much better. You know, like I'm like, oh God, I don't need to go through this. Again. Well, I don't, well, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Obviously we know. I'm just cautious. The, that's all. Obviously we know the MCU is leaning heavily on multiverse because you have the Dr. Strange film. Mm-hmm. spider-man it's in the title <laughs> right it's in the title so we know and if you watch you didn't watch loki but if when you do watch loki you will see it there as well so That's there's a we discussed off air there's too many shows i can't <laughs> keep track stop making stuff <laughs> so yeah so you will see all of those things um come into play and they're very much hanging on to that um in this version after post infinity saga mcu that's how i like to say it now so post infinity saga we're getting multiverse stuff MCU uh, D- 2.0. Yeah. DC obviously told us a fandom that that's the, where they were going last year. Right. So what you have plan, Eric, DC didn't have a plan. Uh, if you paid attention, they have a plan. Oh. It's not Snyder's plan, Eric. Oh, well, that's a different plan <laughs> and it didn't work, but that's no. just, that's just me saying the truth. I'm sorry if you guys don't want to hear the truth, but that's the truth. You're it didn't fascist. Work. That's it. Period. <laughs> oh boy. So we'll see, guys. We'll see where those go. But just back to the Keaton article. Um, got, give it a read. It's a really good read, and it goes into about it's almost who like he a is. human interest story, right? Right. Who he is, why he takes the roles he takes, um, how he's fact, you know, um, navigated through his career. It's a very, very good piece. And uh, since we're getting more of him in both worlds <laughs> coming up as as comic book fans that we are, it's just a good read for for that as well. I love the more Keaton, the better, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. So not to be outdone, uh, another fellow guy from the, the sorry, the Tim Burton Batman movies is also coming back uh, oh, in yes. a capacity. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> and I know the Pete, return of the goat. I know <laughs> Pete loves Penguin and loves Danny DeVito. So, Pete, go ahead. You run with this one. You explain oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> Rick Shue, what you gonna do? <laughs> oh man! So Devito is coming back for this like 80th anniversary villain spectacular comic book, and he is writing a Penguin story. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a short story in this like anthology type book, but um, I believe the art was from Frank Quietly. Um, looked just like Oswald from Batman Returns without the flipper. Uh, yes. it's on it's on his tw- Twitter. Uh, please check that out. Um, it, it's, it's either Frank Wilder or Gary Frank. It's it's one of the Franks. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's just, it, it looks phenomenal. I can't wait to see it. Um, I'm just, I'm so excited for this. I love Oswald in that movie. Just really uh, giving the penguin an identity other than just a, a pot bellied umbrella guy. And mm-hmm. my, my favorite version of penguin comes from no man's land. Um, uh, I won't it's talk okay. about that, that TV show. That's absolutely dreadful. But that, <laughs> that, that, you know, that's an interesting take. It's not my favorite. Um, 
but this is just it's just great news like you know with the you know batman 89 coming out and now devito coming back i'm sure it's not devito's penguin from batman returns because obviously oswald's dead and deceased unless it's a prequel before the movie i don't know but again he doesn't have the flipper so who knows but the article says that it's not it's probably not about so but but, you know i'm just excited to see it uh it'd be it'd be great if he popped up in the flesh somehow some way um (laughs) But I'm just excited. I, I'm, I can't wait to see it, read it. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the DC anthology books have, uh, while I was very critical of them uh, when they were announced, I think they've been pretty solid so far. So uh, I just, I, I don't know. How do you feel as someone who doesn't love returns as much as I do? Like, how do, how do you feel about <laughs> DeVito coming back and this inter- and this look for the Penguin and all that jazz? I think it's cool that he, um, I don't know how much else he knows about the character, but I think it's cool that he played the character once mm-hmm. and he's co- he's writing a book, comic book about him now. Um, I think that part's very cool. The nostalgia angle as well, again, it seems to be this is the year that we're getting a lot of this. So it's kind of cool that this is also tied into it with a guy who played the Penguin in Batman Returns. Um, so I'm, I'll definitely give it a read. Uh, I think... I always like when actors, because I don't know if he's written anything else. I don't know what other creative outlets Danny DeVito has done. Uh, DeVito, he's directed some movies. Uh, he's this is definitely within his capabilities. He's he's directed movies. He's written movies. Um, okay, so he's so, he's a writer as well. So he, yeah, this is this. Uh, you know, he hasn't written a comic book, but he has written stuff. Okay, so so um, yeah, I'll be interesting to I see. I think he's then. also got writing credits on Sunny. I think yeah, he, I'm sure he does. Yeah, I'm sure he does. So yeah, so that I'm really interested to see uh, his take on the Penguin. I hope. I kind of like the gangsterish penguin, the more mm-hmm. gangster, you know, angle that they have. So if that's the way he goes, I'll, I'm sure I'll like it. But we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. But I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm super excited about it, but I'm, I'm intrigued. Are you gonna? Will you pick this up and read this? I will. I will pick it up and read it. I will read this. So that's how. That's that's how I'm gonna get you. Is uh, I got you to read Batman '89. Um, oh, I we was should do- read that anyway. <laughs> I I like to think I was the driving force on that. <laughs> have you been keeping up with Batman Catwoman? I know I got you to read issue one, but have you been keeping up with that? No. I wish I should. It's my own fault. I did. I enjoyed uh, yes, the hell out uh, of it. Okay, that's fine. As long as you admit that that is your fault. Oh, it's totally my fault. Totally my fault. Of course. That's fine. No. That's great. <laughs> 100% my laziness, I will say, is the reason why I haven't continued. You're but spending I too much time at the gym. That's why. I will go back. I will go back. <laughs> I will go back and read them. I'll read them. Cause I like, I mean, I like the first one so much. So I it'll will. probably read better now because you can, you know, do a straight through read. All right. Yeah, that's true. I'll start. Yeah, I'll start from the beginning. I mean, I remember what happened, but I'll just start and I'll read all three. So that's cool. All right. Moving right along. Speaking Next. of too many. Yeah, speaking of too many shows, uh, Pete, I know you're behind on a lot of things, but you got me, you were the person who did get me to watch this show. So Harley Quinn. No, the other one. Superman and Lois. No, no. Of course I'm talking about Stargirl. Oh, of Um, course. The best superhero show on television, hands down. I I was not going to watch this show. Uh, I, but I had heard good things from you, especially a couple of other people. I know Paul Herman was big on the star girl. Um, I remember reading his tweets Mm -hmm. about it. So I started, I binge watched it. I want to say 
I think the, in May, April or May, I just this this year, mm-hmm. and it was great. I loved it. It was it was a really really good show. Mm-hmm. So season two has begun, and um, I haven't. I started watching episode one. I haven't finished it yet. I know episode two is out as well, but we have an introduction of a character in here which was teased in season one and of course mm-hmm. i'm talking about green lantern mm-hmm. and it's green lantern's daughter jade so um there's an article in entertainment weekly but with where sydney buxom talks to jeff johns about the creation of about season two and about including um jade mm-hmm. uh hold on a minute yeah um of course she's alan scott's daughter and uh, he goes on to explain how they're introducing her to the series um, and how he's a, she's a good compliment to uh, Courtney. Courtney, yes. Courtney, yeah. because, yeah. It was, it, to me, it was re- the things that I really took out of this article were two things. This is going to be a horror show. Yeah. He literally compared uh, Eclipso to Freddy Krueger and Pennywise, which is totally different than what we saw in season one. Right. Uh, season one, I thought, did what Titans wants to do, but better. Team building, team animosity, you know, getting them together for the greater good, the common goal. Like, I thought that, I think the show is, it, it, I think the show really excels at that, bringing people together, bringing families together, creating a family. But it's, it did not feel scary, right? And at no point, like, even when Grundy was on the screen, it doesn't feel like a horror show. Right. Whereas this, he kind of pinpointed as this is kind of the direction we're going with our main villain of the season. And he says, you know, it's going to be chapter by chapter. But the re the thing about Jade was Courtney sees herself in Jade, right. the daughter of a superhero, which is what Courtney thought she was carrying on that legacy, f- trying to find her father, all that, all that stuff that really hit with Courtney. And she's it's kind of how Jade serves as an inspiration to Courtney. And I really found that interesting. And as a person who loves Jade, you know, growing up reading Jeff's work and all, you know, it just, she's one of my favorite characters of all time um, because of how Jeff wrote her and stuff in, and Teen Titan uh, and everything he's written. Um, but also because of Kyle Rayner. So it's like, this kind of opens the door. Like maybe there's a Kyle Rayner type character out there uh, to form with, to, to be with Jade, or maybe that's the green lantern we actually do see. I know they've teased Alan Scott and the actual lantern itself. I've watched episode one. I haven't seen episode two. I'm a little behind, but it's really cool. Like to get Jade just, just in the fact that like, she's so far down, like the seven degrees of separation of green lanterns that like, you wouldn't think that she would appear before an actual green. Like we haven't seen anything green lantern since Ryan Reynolds, you know, That's true. and to get, to get Jade in there, you know, you know you're kind of jumping some steps, but, it's still cool. She's a dynamic character, you know. I maybe you know Jade's brother's out there somewhere. Um, I'd love to see him pop up in the show. I'd love to see Alan Scott pop. Up. I know, I know, we're gonna get John Wesley Ships. Like those JSA characters really yeah. uh, hit home with me. Uh, and it's just this show just is just a wonderful like coming of age story about a high school student and and you know legacy characters and it's there's so much raw emotion in it i I, i've i've loved every episode it's just it's a wonderful just it's a wonderful tale to just a very underrated character who is you know imaged after uh jeff's john's late sister yeah stargirl as, as a whole it's a very very heartfelt story like they're telling um it deals with all the things you said um 
obviously the team building, Courtney being kind of, um, you know, thinking she's the daughter of a superhero when it turns out she's not. And then mm-hmm. it's, it's a very, very um, coming of age story for a girl as well, which I think is something that we need uh, more of in media. So I think that part's good. Are you worried about the portrayal of Eclipso at all? How they might go about it? Because he does focus on that in the article. Um, uh, I, 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 this show has earned my trust. I'll say that. Okay. Because they've done, you know, it, they don't, you know, Dr. Midnight isn't, you know, the, the Dr. Midnight that I grew up reading. Right. Like, right. It's not Ted Grant as wildcat. Uh, it, it, these are legacy characters. And I, I'm curious to see how this is portrayed with Eclipso. Um, I, the fact that he compared him to Freddy Krueger and Pennywise is really interesting to me. I want to see, I don't expect this to be blood and guts. I expect this to be very manipulative, maybe kind of more hallucinations type things. Right. Right. So that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning. And uh, like I said, the show's just earned my trust and I, tr- I believe that they know what they're going to do and they believe in themselves. So therefore I have, like I said, I just have faith, have faith, Alfred. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do. After what I saw in season one, I definitely do have faith that they're going to pull They can pull off the character. Um, as you know, in the comics, he's very, he very much looks like a <laughs> very scary. Um, so I very think, purple. um, <laughs> yes, very purple. So I Kinda think like, what was it? The purple man in, uh, was it season one of Jessica Jones? Wasn't that the, wasn't that guy's name? Purple man, the villain. I don't, there, there was a lot of purple in season so? one of Jessica Jones. <laughs> I'm not. I, are you talking about? Um, no, Jessica Jones. Yeah, he was the villain, the Purple Man. It, they didn't call him that. He had a he had an actual name. Kilgrave. Kilgrave. Yeah, it was Kilgrave. Okay. His comic book name is Purple Man. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I was just yeah. I wasn't putting it together. But yes, yes. He <laughs> Kilgrave is the guy there. So yeah. So Eclipso does kind of look like that. I know he's being played by Nick Tarabay, who, um, or voiced. I don't know how they're gonna do it. Um, because I haven't seen it. Did they tease him in episode one? I haven't seen the end of it yet, so you can spoil they, it. Jade, Jade makes an appearance in episode one. They have a, a really awesome fight between okay. Courtney and Jade in uh, Courtney's uh, l- uh, first floor of her house. Okay, <laughs> really fun. Yeah, they, and you they like see to the lantern. Do, they like to do fights in the house on that show. I will say we had it. Uh, if you're gonna do suburban well. <laughs> stuff, I, I can dig it, man. You know. So yeah. But uh, so, guys, definitely check if you want to check out the articles. Entertainment Weekly, Jeff Johns. He talks. He goes a little bit more in depth about obviously um, Jade and Eclipso. And as Pete said, he talks about the horror angle. He does, compares them to Freddie and Pennywise. Um, and he says that because he grew up watching those um, Nightmare on Elm Street and Lost Boys and all those kinds of um, movies. So definitely, guys, give that a check. Um, give that a look again. Entertainment Weekly uh, about Stargirl. And if you're not watching Stargirl, you should be because it's it is a very very good. Have you have you have you got caught up with Black Lightning yet? No, I only I ended season one. Okay. Um, that's where I'm at. I didn't like I didn't really like the fi- finale, so I was kind of put off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll pick it up again because I I the thing I love about that show is they they go there like to me. It's oh, they the do. Most, yeah. They go there and it's, and they don't stop at season one. It keeps going. Like they go. All right. So from that point of view, I definitely, I'll go, I'm looking forward to what's coming next. I didn't love the finale. It was very cheesy to me, um, of season one, but that's for another, another story for another time. So moving right along, uh, as we know, we've talked about me and I both have talked about the suicide squad. 
Uh, we both enjoy the film. If you guys haven't seen it, um, definitely go watch it. But one of the characters who I think everyone was kind of interested to see what they would do with was Polka Dot Man, right? We all heard he was coming out, mm-hmm. going to be in the film. And I think a lot of people laughed because they weren't sure what they were, how they were going to pull it off. And he actually is incredible in the movie. Uh, one of the yeah. best parts of the film. But the actor, David Desmalchian, um, he is, he recently did art and talked about how he um, kind of identified with Polka Dot Man in a way because he suffers from vitiligo. And as mm-hmm. you know, vitiligo, famously, that's the disease that Michael Jackson said he had, where you start getting blotches on your skin, your skin gets discolored. And he's always kind of been self-conscious about it, uh, even commit, thought about committing suicide. Um, so the article goes into that and how James Gunn actually on set when they were about to shoot the scene, uh, the one at the scene at the end where he says, I'm a superhero. He was worried about how he was going to do it. And James Gunn could kind of sense that he was not in the right place. And he went over to him and spoke to him and said, you know what, you can do it. You're a great actor. So it's really more of a story about his, how self-conscious he is about this and how he's been able to build a Hollywood career based off of it. It's, it goes in depth on how he didn't even have, he doesn't even have an agent until recently. Yeah, which is fascinating. Um, I was like, right? how do you operate in Hollywood without an agent? Yeah, but- so it's a very, very cool piece about the his this role being something he totally related to. So Pete, what did you take from it? Well, to me, I think it just, it, it, you could see it in the film, right? Like his performance it feels very personal and it, and it actually was mm-hmm. like th- this character does relate to him. He was the perfect actor for this character. Um, even Margot Robbie said it, you know, in, yep. in the article, she goes, I-, I pictured him when we were talking about this character in this movie. And I, you know, to me, I-, I didn't think this guy was as big of an actor as that to someone like, I'm sure people in Hollywood know each other and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, I just, I just didn't assume he was that big of a name, but apparently he has made a stand for himself and he's been in, He's been he's been in the Flash numerous times as uh, Abracadabra. He's been obviously we all remember him as uh, Harvey Dent's <laughs> best yep. friend in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, so Ant-Man. he's been making the rants and he's been Ant Man. Yeah, I forgot about that completely. Yep. So he's been you know taking over this the, the comic book multiverse single handedly, <laughs> which means he's going to be in the Flash and in the Spider Man movie. So it's obvious by now. Uh, <laughs> but it was it's a wonderful personal story about you know just someone who overcomes you know, just struggles and doubt to, to just reach their goals. It's, and it's very inspiring. And I'm glad that he was able to do what he's able to do because I, everything, I I love him in the flash. He's great in the dark night for the little bit. He's there. And he's, he's one of the show stealers in suicide squad. So this guy is, it's just a fantastic talent. And, you know, his performance just, it bleeds through the screen and how personal and how much it meant to him. And, you know, when he's, when he's screaming out, I am a superhero, like that's, that's him talking to himself, you know, a guy who, who you know, he even, he, he doubted his future. You know, like, can I, can yeah. I be this star? Can I be a good father? Blah. And he's overcome all that. So just bravo. Congratulations. Thank you for all that you've done. I appreciate your work and it's, it's wonderful work. Yeah. And it also just goes to like, again, how good of a guy James Gunn seems to be, yeah. um, you know, like he, he, like he said, when he wrote it, he was this is the only guy he wanted for the role. That's it. He couldn't think of, he didn't want anyone else to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you said about Margot Robbie as well, saying, you know, I immediately thought of him when it's just a really cool, cool article about a guy who hasn't been 
the star in many movies, but you know him. Like you know him when you see him. Um, just he's re- kind of like a John Turturro, where like you're like, oh man, he's in so many movies that I yeah. didn't even know. Yep, it's true, very true. And he always leaves a memorable performance. Yes. Yeah. So sticking with the Suicide Squad, um, there's an article in the Wrap. And James Gunn was on a, the podcast Script Apart, and he was talking about in early versions of the Suicide Squad, he thought about making Superman the antagonist. Um, I mean, he goes into further explaining <laughs> it, but but just very quickly, I don't think I would have liked that. But what about you? No, um, I <laughs> I don't understand this fascination with evil Superman. It is uh, it's very interesting. I know everyone got all up in arms when they thought Lois Lane, uh, Lois Lane, Superman and Lois were stealing Snyder's bit for evil Superman. And right. there was that, even that, that angle of, uh, you know, being uh, possessed by anti-life. I, I wasn't a huge fan of, I want to see Superman doing, you know, call, call me a gatekeeper. I want to see, you know, truth, justice, the American way, saving cats out of trees, uh, you know, helping people. Like I want to see that. I'm sorry. Right. Like, you know, yeah. I, I guess I suck. Um, but that's just Superman to me. Um, also like, I just, <laughs> I feel like, you know, at one point when the whole blood sport thing broke, you know, we all know who went crazy about, you know, blood sport shooting Superman. And then, well, what Superman? Is? And I'm sure at some point, you know, they were kind of like, you really want to get involved in this? You want to get involved in this? And, you know, I, I, I can't blame him for saying no. Like, just be over the blood sport angle. You know, it's like, why would you do that to yourself as a professional? Like, it, it's why would you get in? Why would you just bait these crazies? to just annoy you on Twitter like this, you know? Right. So I could see why he didn't do it. I get why he wanted to do it. it. It's, it seems like a cool concept, but like you said, like Starro, he's like, if someone else does Starro, they're going to, he said the black cloud treatment, which I think is a shot at Galactus and rise of the silver surfer. And just justifiably so, because it, it's, that's not a great interpretation of Galactus, no, Galactus at all. all. Right. So the fact that he was able to do Starro and then do it accurately, portray the character right on screen in all his pastel glory, you know, I, 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 it worked. It's, it's a much better film. Um, I don't want to see the Suicide Squad, Hunt Superman. And I know that's a video game we're going to get. But again, that's that's a video game. That, it's, again, that's not massly consumed exactly. as much as a movie. Exactly. And I think fanboys have to realize that stuff, you know. And I think some people have a hard time taking off their fanboy hat and thinking about, well, what's what's the best option here? I never had a problem with the deconstruction of Superman. I had a problem with how it was gone about. Right. Um, and in the theatrical, it's not good in Superman three either. Let's just say that. No, it's not. And the, in the theatrical cut of justice league, he gets a much better ending. Um, he's in that movie. He's much more Superman. I think than any other live action movie since Superman returns. Right. I don't I'm with you. I don't understand the obsession of taking this character who has always been something, this certain thing to people mm-hmm. and wanting to break him down every chance you get. Um, Gunn said his original motivation for it. Well, was who is Superman in the DCEU? So he was thinking about um, Henry Cavill, Superman, um, when he talked about it. Mm-hmm. So he said, but he said he when he really thought about it, he didn't really want to go down that road, down that path and i think i guarantee you we all know why yeah i think we all know why i'm not going to go into it but i think we all know why at the end of the day he made the right decision because suicide squad is his maybe not financially kicking butt in this pandemic era but critically it's what 90 percent, 91 percent, something like that on rotten tomatoes yeah so i mean 
he obviously made the right decision. And look, we both like Injustice both games. Yes. I've, I I don't know about Eric, but I have read Injustice the series. I, I like it. It's not my favorite. I just, those characters, there's everybody so deconstructed. It's just, it, it's, it is an Elseworlds tale. It's, it's out there. It's far out sure. there. It's, it, you know, it's not for everyone. And I know we're getting an Injustice movie. So there is a crowd for that. But again, like all those things are geared towards fanboys. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't right. know if the Mortal Kombat crowd is the crowd you're trying to sell your your movie for. Um, you know, while that movie was interesting in itself that just came out, it sure didn't like, you know, create a huge amount of buzz. Uh, it's I just I want to just see more traditional versions of these characters in that right. sense. I, That's yeah, just I think my we've... take. But if someone has a good take on it, like if this Michael B. Jordan Superman movie gets made or this J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams Superman gets made and they, they interpret the black Superman, I'll see it and I'll check it out. You know, it's, is it, you know, the number one priority on my, of my list of movies to get made? No, it's not. But like, I'll judge it when I see it. It's just, you know, and then I, and then I could tell you if I like it or not, but like injustice is just, I don't know. <laughs> I, as evil as the Joker is, I don't want to see Superman rip his heart out. I just don't. I don't want to see Superman do that. I don't even like what Batman did at the end of Titans, supposedly, episode one. So, like, it's not just Superman. It, 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 these characters who have this moral code, and while some people can be very interested in what happens in the deconstruction of breaking that moral code and what does a character do when he's on the brink, well, you know, like, I, hey, look, I, while I do, while I dig it in BVS and I get it, you know, even that portrayal of that character is kind of widely panned. It is. So, you know, some people love it. Some people don't. I I think the majority want to see more accurate portrayals of these characters. I agree. I think, um, especially since we've been getting so much the other way lately, I think people are ready for a return to somewhat normalcy. Superman and Lois kind of did that. Um, So, you know, I think we're at a point now where let Superman be Superman, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I just think, especially with that character, I think Superman, more than any of the DC characters, has always been the virtuous, hopeful character. Again, I have no problems with the different interpretations. When they work, they work. But I think we've had enough of that side. So let's go back to giving us more of the the uh, the hero that we know in Superman. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, so sticking with a James and in DC... But a, diff- the, a different James, of course, I'm talking about James Wan. Uh, there was an article on Games Radar about um, his inspiration for Aquaman 2. And it's heavily inspired by Planet of the Vampires. Which now, Reno Pete, loves. Yes. Reno, Reno, Reno. Do you guys ever want like foreign film must sees? Go talk to Reno because he can, just obscure things. <laughs> he, can, he can hook you up and tell you where to go. But it's, uh, I've never seen it, but now I'm going to have to give it a watch. So it's Planet Same. of the Vampires. It's a campy 60s Italian horror film. <laughs> so uh, it's directed by Mario Bava. And p- some people think that the film actually inspired Prometheus. If you've seen Prometheus, mm-hmm. uh, that's some people think that that as well. But Juan famously says in this article, he was like, you could take the horror um, the boy out of horror, but not horror out of the boy. <laughs> so he's leaning on that. Um, 
And obviously he talked, the article goes into talking about how, what he did with the first film, especially with the trench sequence, mm-hmm. like certain things like that. So Pete, what do you think about this? Are you going to watch the movie? First of all, I, I will. Ha- yeah. I will have to watch uh, this vampire movie. Check it out. Um, it's interesting. Like I have full faith in James Wan after so Aquaman one. I mean, not even after Aquaman one, but after his whole career, like, yeah. How could you, how could you doubt the man? Um, but this is interesting just because like, you know, that's what kind of attracted him to Aquaman were, you know, sea monsters and, you know, I guess for lack of a better kind of Kaiju, right? Like right. And the trench. And there, there are glimpses of that in the first one. And this seems to be more of a, a James Wan movie now. So this seems to be right in his wheelhouse. Um, I kind of hope, you know, and it kind of brings me back to Batman Returns that we mentioned earlier. Like that's more of a Tim Burton movie than a Batman movie. Definitely. Um, I, I kind of hope it's not, as drastic as that really because you know i still want to be aquaman but like this is a this is a take on aquaman this is james's take and i'm totally fine with that because there's a lot of faithfulness in there with the little spin so it's it's cool to hear that something kind of obscure from my knowledge influenced this film because it's like oh cool i get something else to check out and right you know if this is what Juan wants to do let him do it i mean like how could you after the first one how could you doubt him I think, and I think that's exactly what the studio is doing, right? They're kind of like, do your movie. They're basically saying to him, okay, here you go. Do the film. Yeah. Um, and he's a Warner Brothers guy, you know? Like he, he, yep. They got New Line. He got that Conjuring universe started. He, he did a few of those. So, I, I, you know, they, they know what he's capable of doing. He has another movie coming out um, called Malignant. So if you guys want to check out uh, the next, it's start, it's, excuse me, It'll be released on September 10th. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to check out his, James Wan's next movie, Malignant, that's the date. I don't think I've seen a trailer for it yet. I might have. I've, every time I go to the movies now, I see so many trailers. I always think I've seen them already. So I'm, I'm still waiting to see the Batman trailer on the big screen. Oh, dude. Suicide Squad. I still I haven't. See it. I did not. I didn't so, see it. So good. It's like, as much as I love watching it on my my computer or on, the te- on television when i put it on television seeing it on the big screen is so much better i'd hate oh. to be the guy who, do- who isn't excited for that movie i'll tell you that much <laughs> anyone in particular i'll we'll leave that alone we'll, we'll leave that alone uh, <laughs> okay so we have some news out of the dc animation world again from the hollywood reporter because again we just love the hollywood reporter we, we um, like good reporting. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So, and we're getting a Catwoman animated movie called Catwoman Hunted. And it will voice star Elizabeth Gillies as Catwoman. Mm-hmm. The show will also include certain these voice actors. So if you know them and you like them, I'll give you the list. Jonathan Banks as Black Mask. Steve Blum as Solomon Grundy. Lauren Cohan from The Walking Dead fame as Julia Pennyworth. Keith David as Tobias Whale. Zara Fazal as Talia Al Ghul and Nosferata. Jonathan Frakes as King Faraday and Boss Moxie. Kirby Howell Baptiste as Barbara Minerva Cheetah. Kelly Hugh, so we, everyone knows who Kelly Hugh is, as Cheshire. Andrew Cashino as Mr. Yakuza and Domino Six. Eric Lopez as Domino One. Jacqueline Arbadors as La Dama. And Ron Juan as Dr. Sin. So this is an they anime. Have- they had me at Keith David and Solomon Grundy, even though Keith David's not voicing Grundy. <laughs> he's voicing Tobias Well. Um, I'm a sucker for anything Keith David. 
I think this is really cool in just because like we haven't seen an anime Batman-esque right. film since Batman Ninja. Right. And before that it was Batman Gotham Knights. I believe that's what that's called. It's that, that yes, Gotham movie Knights. between Begins and Dark Knight. Um, so this is cool. I'll check it out. I'm not a huge anime fan. Like I don't rewatch Batman Ninja often. It's, it's, it's out there, but it's interesting. And I, I think it's worth any bat fan who hasn't checked it out worth watching. Um, this will be, this will be cool. I think we're, we're in a really good uh, place with Catwoman right now. Uh, we hush long Halloween part one and two Ron V's Catwoman book. This is coming out Zoe in the Batman. Um, we just, we've, we're really lucky right now. Even, What's her name was one of the best parts of that horrible show on Fox. Um, yes, uh, uh, I'm forgetting Bianca her name. Ladova, Carmen Bianca yes, Ladova. Yes, Carmen. Yes, yes, yes. She was she was absolutely absolutely uh, wonderful and uh, really di- probably the most accurate uh, character on that just the abysmal show. So, you know, uh, just this is just good stuff. Uh, I, I you know I, I I still haven't watched that JSA World War II movie. I'm still like I said I'm far behind and stuff. I haven't watched. That's the one I haven't watched. Yeah, like it's just, it's either. hard to watch the animated movies when I'm constantly behind on television shows. It's like, yeah. geez. That's true. I'm almost, I just I'm realized almost in need of another lockdown. <laughs> I was look. I remember I was looking for that one, and then it came out, and I just, for some reason, I didn't watch it. And then The Long and Halloween, then, so I just... Well, I, you know, Lauer finally let me watch The Long Halloween. Oh, he on, did. That's He good. put me on Long Halloween probation, you know, for <laughs> a long time, because that's the only book he reads, and, you know, I've, you know, air quotes, never read it. Numerous times numerous times He'll, he actually i did the article with him i'm the episode with him on the batman book club for the long halloween and he, he said let you talk or did he just talk through the whole time so he surprisingly <laughs> he did let me talk i was very very shocked uh especially in the beginning when he says how much he loves it and then i'm like oh god i'm not gonna have much to say oh we love you right you know that Ryan is actually a huge Hulk fan and he's, I believe he said he's starting up a Hulk book club podcast in the near future. So I think, you know, that, that's good. Th- that's good news. I mean, I'm just excited that he's expanding his library. Are you being serious right now? Or are you hundred percent serious? I never lie. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Scouts honor. I don't know if I believe that guys, but if you know, Ryan, you could ask him directly. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he'll tell you. So there was another interesting article. You actually sent this. I mean, you posted this on the the pages. You post most of these articles on the page, but this one caught my eye because it wasn't something I was familiar with. So I'll let you go into and explain it a little more. It's the one. Uh, it's the the web comics through the webtoon deal with DC. Yeah. So Warner Brothers. Oh, I, I click on the article, and now I got to wait thirteen seconds for an ad. <laughs> so <laughs> Warner Brothers. And DC Comics have agreed with, I believe, uh, South Korean internet company Naver to do webtoons, which will be some sort of a digital comic uh, release. Um, it's being uh, pretty hush-hush right now. They just kind of announced the general mm-hmm. uh, point of this. And, uh, you know, everyone knows that I, I do not read digitally. I'm not a big fan right. of digital comics. But like I said, someone who lives out in the sticks, whether it's you know, uh, Montana or <laughs> somewhere in Oklahoma. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Like, you know, Keaton's got to read his comics somehow. So I guess web, web comics for webtoon will be a, a, a good deal. Um, it's, it's cool for people who just, you know, don't have the opportunity to go to comic shops. You know, maybe you don't have time. Maybe you're a family man who just doesn't have time to go to a comic book store. Maybe you just don't have one near you. So for that, for that, I think uh, digital comics are wonderful for those people. 
Um, and it's cool to just branch out a little bit. It, it is kind of a digital age. I, I, you know, while I do get nervous about print and stuff, I don't ever want print to go away. Right. Uh, I think that, I think that this does serve a purpose and I think it's, I think it's a good idea to try to expand the brand a little bit to reach people in different ways. Yeah. I think it's cool. Um, obviously these are all going to be new stories, right? So it's, this is not like they're taking old stuff and just throwing it out there. No, this seems to be stuff just specifically made for webtoon. Yeah. So I think that's cool. Um, I always like seeing different interpretations obviously of the characters. So it'll be interesting to see how they go with it, how they go um, and develop the characters. If they keep it into the normal world we're used to, or if they try something different, as you and said, they do this in all languages. They say it's going to be the first yeah. be available in English, but they will translate them to other languages, which is great for people in other countries. Yeah. But we, again, as you said as well, we don't have any information on what they're, who they're using, what characters they're using. Uh, Everyone, so, the, the whole library is open to them from what yes. the article says. Yes, the whole library is available. But the, we, as part, as, excuse me, so far right now, we don't know who exactly. There's no development mentioned in the article. This is all, guys, this is on Variety. So if you want to check it out, you can go look there. A uh, couple more tidbits and then we can wrap it up. So for me, I saw this the other day. Uh, this came out a couple days ago. And um, it was a little interesting. There is a new Star Wars thing called Star Wars Visions. Um, and they're doing a kind of an anthology anime series based on Star Wars lore, but it's not like a typical Star Wars um, type of show. So it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's got, you know... Voice car- voice actors that we excuse me voice actors who are actors that we know like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bobby Moynihan, Tamara Morrison, um, Simu Liu who plays um, Shang Chi. So there's a lot of different um, a lot being put into this, and just based off the trailer that I saw, as a Star Wars lifelong, lifelong Star Wars fan, it didn't interest me all that much. I think it looks really cool. yeah, I think it looks cool. But I don't know um, if it's going to be something that I enjoy. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. As I said before with Catwoman, I'm not a huge anime guy. Um, and this is kind of being done in that style. So, of course, being Star Wars, I will give it a watch. You're not really hyped off this because I know you're loving Bad Batch. You're not, you, you don't think that this will be good? No, this is this is completely different than what Bad Batch is. Um, okay. This is a completely different era. It's called Visions, I think, for a reason, because they're doing it in a different style. So, um, again, I hope it does well. I hope for the people who love anime, they watch it. Um, again, it even has, I didn't mention other names. It has D- David Harbour as a voice actor on this. Masioka, who, we pl- if you even know Heroes, um, he played Hero on Heroes. <laughs> uh, Henry Golding, who most recently was in Snake Eyes. George Takai. I mean, obviously there's a lot of, this is a star studded cast yeah. here. Yeah. There's a lot of star studded. It's a lot of stars in this, in this um, show. But again, as a star Wars fan, I'll give it a watch. Obviously it's going to premiere on September 22nd guys. So it's coming soon, but um, it's, I didn't get too excited from seeing the trailer. It visually looks cool. I just don't know if I'm buying what they're doing. So what about you, Pete? You're not as big a star Wars fan. Is this something that would pull you in to watch it? Cause it sounded like, you a little no. more excited. I I, no? I, 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 I'm probably not going to watch this at all. Um, okay. I haven't watched Bad Batch. I, I still even haven't watched Mandalorian. So uh, I got to catch up start on that stuff. There, yes. <laughs> I will start I, there. I got to catch up on the priorities before I start start before I start on the excess. You know, but um, that's true. 
Uh, you know, it seemed like uh, Star Wars fans were kind of into this, so I'm kind of surprised that you're so down on it. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd like to hear what uh, Ricky Joe has to say. I think he put something on Facebook saying he thought it was cool. Okay. I'm not sure. But no, again, it's just not my style. Like, I'm not I'm not a big anime person. So. Yeah, I could see why that would turn you off. I'm not either. It took me – I thought the story for, like, something like Batman Ninja was really good, and that's what drew me in, and I can kind of, you know, put past my discrepancies about anime in general. Like, right. You know, so I don't watch a whole, I don't watch any of it. I never read anime so or manga, I guess. So it's not really like my thing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's fine. I just, just not my style. So now let's end on some pretty good news. Let's end on some pretty good news. So I know we all, um, I think most of us anyway, loved uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And mm-hmm. as we saw at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it became Captain America and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> And so we got news recently that Anthony Mackie has indeed signed a contract to appear in Captain America four. So as I said, Pete, we both liked Falcon and winter soldier. Yeah. So I'm sure you're, you're excited about this. I am. I'm very excited. I love Falcon. I love Anthony Mackie as Falcon. Um, I'm still kind of bummed out that I'll never, not never, but I don't think there's a Steve Rogers, Captain America in the, in the distant future. (laughs) You know, that does bum me out a little bit, but I think the mantle has been handed to the right guy. Um, even in the comics, though, like I felt like I was like, you know, what, what when Sam has the shield and even when Bucky has it, I'm just kind of waiting for Steve to come back. But that's kind of like my my big gripe at the MCU. And, you know, I feel like Iron Man fans might say the same thing, like, hey, we want more Iron Man movies and they're, they're never going to get them for the time being. But, um, you know, Anthony Mackie is an, a fantastic actor. Uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier really was a, just a tremendous show and a show about people and families and the greater good and, you know, doing the right thing. And, you know, I I loved everything they did uh, with Mackie and, you know, just getting real personal with him and his family in that show. So, you know, I'm looking forward to see what they do. Um, And, uh, you know, since winter soldier, right. That was his first appearance in the MCU. uh, I've, I've had nothing but admiration for this version of Sam Wilson. So I'm sure the story is going to be relevant. I'm sure it'll be about, be similar to current events and, I'm sure, you know, the Captain America stuff outside of Civil War is my favorite stuff, really, in in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, overall, I would probably agree. Uh, I am. You're not an Iron Man fan. I am. So I like Iron Man. And, uh, you know, I, like- I just hate Iron Man, the character. The movies are all right. I just he's a he's a drunken jerk. So I don't like him. <laughs> well, Pete, I wasn't going to we could have saved this. But now, since we got the news, I'm just going to say it. Uh, we will be having a new iron person of course iron heart iron heart riri williams will debut in black panther wakanda forever in the mcu uh so we will be getting a new iron um iron uh, iron character being iron heart mm-hmm. so uh, i think that's pretty cool news um yeah she iron heart is kind of i feel she took the comic world by storm um and, uh, you know, it's good. I, obviously, there's no Tony Stark anymore, so they've got to do something. Right. So this is interesting. I, I look forward to see what they're going to do, how she plays into uh, Wakanda Forever. Uh, that right. movie in general just is very interesting to me with everything that goes around it. So, you know, uh, I, I look forward to seeing the trailer and seeing what they come up with and seeing the actual suit and everything. And hopefully, I you know, I'm, sh- I, I, you know, I like Riri more than I like Tony Stark. So <laughs> I might actually enjoy this one. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see, man. Um, 
I think it's cool. And this is a character that already exists. So it's not like they're just throwing someone in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that as well, that they're keeping it um, consistent. And I think it's going to be cool to have a new, that they're not bringing back Tony some way, like using some kind of um, time travel method to bring Tony back. I think it's cool that they're going um, in this direction. So we didn't have that in the rundown, but because Pete brought up Iron Man, I just figured I'd throw it in. <laughs> I still think it's a bummer for Iron Man fans. Who, you know, they only got three movies. I know maybe grander scheme of things. I know he appears in the Avengers and he makes, he's a, he has a glorified cameo in homecoming, but I'm sure Iron Man fans are not happy that there's no more, or, you know, Tony Stark. It's, it's, it's kind of a bummer for that fan base. No, it is. I agree. I mean, I would love to, I just because if you like the act, if you like Robert Downey Jr., it'd be cool if he could keep playing the character. It's kind of like mm-hmm. how everyone felt about Hugh Jackman with. Wolverine, I mean, I don't right? even like, need. I wouldn't even. I mean, I mean, if you bring up Jackman, I can relate to that better. But like, just another Wolverine. You know, like it doesn't have to be him. That's that's my problem with like shared universe. It's like okay, this is over. We're done with this. It's like again, like well, that's why Batman's so. That's why like I, I'm cool with not having a shared DC universe because it's like. Well, let Reeves tell his story. Okay, he, he's done. Okay, so on to the next guy. You know, I, I, I don't mind, you know, uh, a fresh interpretation after, you know, every so many years. But it's, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, just coming from like a, a Captain America's perspective, I, I, I will miss Steve Rogers. Of course. Of course. Like any, all of the original people who play the characters have a special place, right? Like all the original Steve Rogers, obviously. Um, as you mm-hmm. said, I, for me anyway, I like Tony Stark. I know you don't, but like just certain, the, the guys who first do it, they're the originators. So everyone has, you know, like we all say with Bruce Wayne, right? We, you know, there've been other guys who've been Batman, but everyone loves, you know, Bruce Wayne to most people. That's the only Batman around. That's the only one that matters. So, yeah. you know, it's, just, it's, it's, you're right. It, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird feeling going to be to see someone else playing that in that iron man, but iron heart, uh, similar powers, similar type of character. So it's going to be weird seeing it, but I just don't look at like a character, like iron man as a legacy character. Oh, I guess cause it's iron heart, you know, like uh, the flash or green lantern. Like the, the, I feel like those guys are, that's, it's interesting how they're kind of legacy character. I feel like it works for some and doesn't sometimes right. they try to make Batman a legacy character, it, it, Dick Grayson. And like, then battle for the cowl. It was like, it was, you know, they had like three Batman at once and there was right. John Paul Valley and it's you're just, or John, not John. I'm sorry, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so it, it, it's interesting. Uh, sometimes it feels like a gimmick. Sometimes it doesn't. I just, but again, if, if the story's good and it's got heart and it's written with good intentions, I'm sure this, I'm sure it'll be enjoyable. So, yeah. So Dominique, I think it's Dominique Thorne uh, will be playing. Uh, Riri Williams in Wakanda forever. So look forward to that guys. Obviously um, I don't think there's a date yet for black Panther Two: Wakanda forever. Uh, just really quick as well. Like uh, just keeping the Marvel world. If you guys haven't watched what, what if yet, go check it out. Um, it's very, very cool. First I got to catch up on that too. So definitely go check that out. Cause it's very, it's really, really awesome. Um, you will get more Steve Rogers. I will tell you that. And Ooh. Good. what if so you will see him there all right so uh let's wrap this one up so pete tell everyone what you got going on and where they can find you you can follow me on social media that is twitter instagram and zach snyder's favorite vero on um what's it called uh <laughs> at pete illustrated uh check out my you could check out our facebook page uh, straight out of gotham check out our facebook fan page straight out of gotham 
Uh, check out our Twitter handle, straight at straight underscore O underscore G on, uh, on, on Twitter. And it's also the same thing on Instagram. Uh, check out the uh, at Team Oval on uh, Twitter. Um, Italians for Spidey's on Twitter. That's the Italian Spider-Man Coalition podcast that I co-host with Nico and his father, Nick. And we just talk all things Spidey. Uh, I got interviews on Batman on Film YouTube. I got comic reviews on Batman on Film Proper. Just give it all a, give it all a look. Uh, you know, f- feel free to hit me up on social media. Let's talk some fun stuff. And uh, that's that. All right, guys, as you know, you can find me on Twitter at finally33, spell finale33, same on Instagram. Uh, you guys could also check out on me on Batman on Film right now. I am reviewing the TV show Titans from HBO Max. Uh, I will have my article for episode four done today, and it probably will be put on the site tomorrow. So if you're listening today on August 20th, August 21st, it should probably be on Batman on Film proper. Um, I think that's it. Sounds like it. We've been talking for too long. That's all we got going on right now. My water's empty. I got to refill it. (laughs) All right. So I think that's it, guys. So for Pete Vera, I'm Eric Holzman. You are listening to Straight Outta Gotham, and we'll see you next time. Booyah.